Welcome to Don't Wait Till Pigs Fly, a podcast for and about women with chronic illness, autoimmune diseases and invisible disabilities. Here we share resources, accountability, knowledge and caring for each other in a way that brings hope to those who have felt a lack of value and worth due to the stigma and gaslighting around their illnesses. Hey everyone, good morning. I am Nancy, the founder and president of Invisible Warriors. One out of every two adult Americans lives with at least one chronic illness, often called an invisible disability. The disability community is the largest minority in the world, yet instead of feeling inclusive and wrapped in camaraderie, most of us feel alone, unvalued, and unworthy. We need doctors who understand us and colleagues and family members who believe us when we tell them something about our health. Just knowing the simple fact that we are not alone out there and still have much to offer can be life-changing. In this podcast, we share tips and strategies, knowledge and support. In other words, hope for those who are looking for resources to help them maintain a thriving, successful life. Do you have a chronic illness? Well, here at Don't Wait Till Pigs Fly, we have conversations that share the tools and mindsets others use to make our lives better. It's always good to know that there are others out there that have dealt with similar challenges, and our guest today is going to share with us their history and what they've learned along the way. Welcome, Benjamin Shearer. Thank you, Nancy. It's a pleasure to be here. And that was that was a beautiful intro. Um, just you have such a a powerful purpose here and a strong message and just a beautiful energy with being out here to to serve people with these chronic illnesses it's it's noble work well thank you very much i just you know i i see it everywhere i go we were at a hospital in birmingham alabama yesterday and i was watching the people around and just wishing that i could just do something to help all of them <laughs> it just I, I'm only one person so that's why I do all of this is so that we can get other people involved and we're gonna make a difference along the way but Benjamin tell us a little bit about what made you interested in being a part of this podcast and why you think you know what is it that you want to share with us that you think will help people well, as you know, when, when you reach out to me, my focus is more on emotional wellness. Um, I'm a mental health coach, or I actually prefer the term emotional fitness trainer. Um, so I help people deal with anxiety, depression, PTSD, that kind of thing. And when you reached out to me, you know, obviously there's there's a bit of a rift because you're dealing with people more with, with physical chronic illnesses, but there's always, always a, a tie-in one way or the other. For some chronic illnesses, um, unresolved emotional issues can sometimes be at the core of it, or at least a part of it. And even for those that are where that's not the case, as you were talking about, not being understood, not being heard, not being properly taken care of, and bouncing from place to place and doctor to doctor without hope will always create certain emotional struggles that make it harder to maintain that hope and maintain that strength and maintain that optimism to keep on going. And one of the biggest things that 
I think all of my clients deal with, even when we're just talking about mental health, not specifically physical chronic illnesses, is not being understood, not feeling like we are heard. I really feel like that's what we're all craving at the end of the day, is to be able to be ourselves, to express ourselves, and to be heard and understood without the need to put on that mask. And when we're dealing with a chronic illness and you're going around and some people, I, I know you told me a, a story where the doctor wouldn't even look you in the eyes for a few years and many other doctors who won't believe you. And I've had similar experiences. I don't know that I have a chronic pain. I don't know that I would go as far as to cut and And I've been to plenty of doctors for it. I've been to, I've had MRIs and x-rays and I did months of kind of vocal therapy because it was involved with my breathing and my voice. And I've tried spiritual healings and tried all sorts of things. And I remember that one of the most frustrating experiences was my doctor just brushing it off. That like, well, we couldn't find anything. You know, the MRI shows that it's fine. The x-ray shows that it's fine. He did find some problems, um, some degeneration in my vertebrae. Uh, vertebrae um, we're not certain if that's what's causing it. But when he couldn't find an answer, just said, okay, well, I guess it's probably just stress. So go on with your life. And with just such detachment that, you know, we, we presume that if someone gets into this line of work, whether it's therapy or whether it's being a doctor, that, you know, it's because they want to help. But, and I'm sure that at, at least some level, they all want to help. But when they haven't dealt with this kind of thing or any kind of thing along these lines, whether it's mental pain, psychic pain, physical pain, whatever, or just sometimes over the years of serving their clients, they become numb to the whole process. And when I was sitting in the doctor's office crying because this pain just wouldn't go away and it was getting in the way of so many things that I wanted and I, I didn't know even how to describe it or what to do about it. And he was just kind of ticking off things on his notepad saying, well, okay, well, it's not this and it's not this and it's not this. So I guess you're fine. And I guess it's just stress. I feel like you want to slug them, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, not as, I'm not a violent person, but I feel like doctors sometimes have a hard time admitting that they don't know something. Why couldn't he just say to me, you know, I don't know what it is, as opposed to saying, well, I guess it's not anything. I guess it's just stress. You know, trying to what, what's referred to as a trash can diagnosis, just giving you something to get get you off their backs. Why? Why couldn't he say, look, I, I mean, I understand that you're in pain and I'm sorry that you're in pain and I'm sorry that we can't find anything. I don't know what to do about it. Maybe we can have a discussion. Maybe I can, you know, we can figure something out. But when I was crying and telling him that I really hope you find something, he kind of laughed at me. And Magne, because he didn't understand, he thought that I was a hypochondriac, desperately hoping for a diagnosis so that I can play the victim. Whereas what I was saying is, I'm in pain, and if you don't find anything, then I don't know what to do about it. But he kind of, like I said, he kind of slightly mocked me, laughed it off, and after a few seconds, he go, oh, 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 I guess I kind of get what you mean. 
but it's you know that happens so often to so many people it's it doesn't feel any better for me to tell you you're not the only one you know because we are all it's all personal to us it's all our body it's all our pain and we desperately want to know what's wrong but it it happens over and over again and i would love to have a doctor sit down with me and say i don't know what to tell you but let's figure it out or let me find you somebody who can figure it out i went into and i may have told you this story when we were talking the other day a year ago i can't believe how fast time flies but last april i got covid and I couldn't breathe. And it, it was kind of an interesting, I cannot, could not take the vaccine. I was told by my doctor, absolutely with all of the things that I have, it was just counterproductive for me to take the vaccination. And so when I finally did get COVID and it wasn't all that bad, I, was, I just felt like I had the flu, but my doctor sent me to this clinic and they're trying desperately not to give me the vaccination, but to give me something else. And I'm saying, I don't want it. I don't want, it. they immediately, I, when I walked into their office, they immediately knocked me into a wheelchair and basically strapped me down in this wheelchair and are standing over me with, you know, the, the, bags of whatever it is and the needles and I'm saying I'm not taking it I'm not taking it so then they decided well if you're not going to listen to us and you're not taking this go away but we will guarantee you that on day eight after this visit on day eight you are going to be so sick you're going to wind up in the emergency room and you're going to die because you haven't had this medication and I said, well, I guess I'll deal with that when the time comes. But you know what happened? Psychologically, on day eight, I was so sick that I wound up going to the emergency room. Just deathly afraid that, oh, my God, now I'm going to die. And I got into the emergency room and they took me into the triage and the doctor's in there and he says, well, why are you here? And I said, well, I'm here because I've got COVID and I can't breathe. You know, I've got this elephant sitting on my chest. And he says, but you're in a wheelchair. Why are you in a wheelchair? That should make you be in a wheelchair. I said, because I can't walk. I have complex regional pain syndrome and I have no musculature in my legs. I have nothing that will hold me up. I cannot walk. He looked at the other medical person in the room, looked back at me and said, I have never heard of that. You're making it up. It's all a lie. Now, when you're talking about a physical injury, you cannot divorce the mental issues that go along with it. That was the most excruciatingly painful event in my life even more so than the car accident that caused all of this in the first place you know it's it's but it's I think a little bit of it is the doctors have gotten somewhat of a god complex 
they haven't been trained in these things. The insurance companies won't allow them to take the time that they need to try to figure all of this out. And they go down this road of this is what it's supposed to be. And if you don't do that, you're being non-compliant and we can't deal with it. It's it's interesting. So you said on the one hand, like that the, these doctors, they have the God complex. And then on the other hand, that they haven't been trained for this kind of thing. And I think that like one of the actual issues is that this, this might sound a little weird, but through over, how can I put this? The kind of, one of the things that we're saying that they don't have the training in, this is what's been on my mind. A lot of this conversation is the bedside manner aspect of it. And this element of it, shouldn't require training. The irony and the paradox is that through overtraining, overtraining is not the right word, it's gonna come across weird, but hopefully you and your, the audience will understand. Through overtraining on the clinical aspect of things, they completely forget the human element of what they're doing. So by spending all those, by learning everything that they do, in fact, need to know about the body, as you mentioned, it kind of gives that God complex, which takes them out of that out of that human context it's having bedside manner shouldn't require training it's at the core of who we are as people but the more that you develop that like oh well i know everything and i and even the way that he that the doctor said it to you that i haven't heard of this so you're making it up which firstly just a terrible way to address someone who's in pain whatever happens to be going on. And then just the phrasing there, I haven't heard of it, therefore it's false. That right, that statement right there implies the God complex that you're talking about, because if he doesn't or she doesn't know something, it must be false. Yeah. It's really sad. But even worse than that was this nurse standing over me you know, with the needles in her hand saying, if you don't do this, you're going to die. You know, I, I just, I can't imagine talking to someone that way. Yeah. And, and from the psychological perspective of it, it had such an impact on me that I did get sick. And I did get to the point where I was afraid, you know, that this was the end. And we, when you've also, so you've also got, you've got these people that are saying you need something. And if you don't do it, it's, it's going to be the end for you. And then on the other hand, when you're trying to get something, they say, we don't see anything wrong with you. So, you know, where does that put you? I have been told that I'm a, a drug seeker, that I'm looking for drugs so that I can sell them or I can get high. I can't take pain pills. <laughs> there, I get sick if I take even, you know, too many um, aspirin or whatever. I, I can't take that stuff. So I'm certainly not out there looking for drugs. Yeah. And I've been told, you know, that, that I'm a hypochondriac, that I'm making it up, that I'm looking for attention. 
Um, so when when we started this conversation, you said my my area was the physical, yours was the mental. But guess what? You can't take them away from each other. Yeah. They're there. And if you have, it's bad enough that you have doctors that are telling you you're nuts or there's nothing wrong with you, but your families and your friends, and they may be in the best um, of care for you, wanting to wanting to see that you're okay and that you're fine. But they often come on, you're just, you know, let's go out. You'll feel better if you go out and get some fresh air, or, you know, or the husband says, I, I, you know, I didn't marry you so that I had to do all the cooking and cleaning and dishes and all of that. You're just being lazy. Those are all mental issues. And what winds up happening, I think you're the specialist in this. I'm not, but what I think winds up happening is that we turn into ourselves and we say, well, maybe we are making it up. Maybe we are crazy. Maybe my husband's right. And I am just being lazy. And then we either give up and just go sit in the corner or we get up and do things that we really shouldn't be doing that hurt our bodies physically because we don't want to hear them say that we're making it up. Yeah. When we add any shame and guilt to the experience, it's only going to serve to make things worse. And when someone is telling us that we're not experiencing what we're experiencing, obviously that's what it leads to. And as you then say, it, it, it either... I mean, both, not either. It will both make you shut down within yourself and it will make you feel like you need to put on a mask for other people. So like you said, to do things that you shouldn't be doing or to pretend to be feeling okay when you're not feeling okay. And that really is at the core of a lifetime's worth of emotional problems. So even when we're not dealing with chronic physical illnesses, what I, the way that I teach things and what I help my clients with is that from the very beginning, you know, from very early ages, all of our emotions that are trying to move through us, we're taught to hold them in. We're taught, you know, one of the, the biggest lies that kids are taught kind of thing is big kids don't cry, right? And right from the very beginning, your body needs to do certain things. It needs to cry, it needs to shake, it needs to scream, it needs to process and express all of the emotions that are moving through it in a healthy way so that you don't carry these emotions around with you. But from a very young age, we're taught that, firstly, you know, it's, it's not polite to cry or to scream or to shake in public, or we learn from friends and family that if we do fully process and express our emotions, we're going to get punished, we're going to get judged, we're going to get rejected. And so we spend our entire lives building our identities around these emotional defense mechanisms, all the things that we're doing to keep ourselves safe, which means that we start programming ourselves not to feel and express our emotions. And that leads to a version of us that doesn't feel authentic, where we feel trapped in ourselves and in our lives. And when you are being judged or blamed or not believed for the chronic illness that you have, it's only going to fuel that fire. Where now, not only are you in pain, but you know that actually expressing that to anyone is only going to lead to more judgment and more shame and more guilt and more rejection. So 
you, you have to start pretending to be this person that you're not, or you, you feel unsafe expressing that you're in pain, which means that you, you know, you have to like soldier up, you have to suck it up because you know that telling anyone how you're really feeling is only going to lead to more problems. That's so very true. And uh, that's really one of the one of the issues that I am trying to get out there to the world is that these things happen. You're not alone. You're not crazy. You're not making it up. You're absolutely validating that you do have issues and that they need to be fixed. But then my question is, okay, so we get people saying, all right, I understand. I'm not nuts. I really do have these pains. I really do have all of this going on. What do you do about it? Is that a hypo? Are you actually asking me what do yeah, you do? About I'm it? asking you. I'm asking you what what do you know? It's it it's hard enough for people to even admit that they've got something going on. But if they get to the point where they realize that this is true, that it is okay to cry, it is okay to. I used to years ago. I had a because I was in an office building and I was working as a business consultant back then. And, but I still was having pain and, and issues and those kinds of things. I actually had a, cause I would be so anxious and so frustrated. I had a blow up um, Bobo the clown punching bag, <laughs> the kid's punching bag. And I would walk by it and I'd go whop or I'd kick it or something, you know, just to get, some of the tension and the stress out and I'd actually feel better afterwards but you know that's that's not really a good way to deal with things so what are some of your suggestions on what do we do when when we're dealing with all of this and we need to get some of this out so I think one of the first things that we need to recognize, look, when we're dealing with chronic illnesses, it's it's always going to be tough and we can't necessarily deal. There's nothing that we can do internally to get rid of the pain. I've been suffering with this neck pain for at least six years now, and I don't know if it's ever going away at this point, especially since the doctors can't point to anything. Um, but we can start turning our attention to the elements of what's going on that that we can do something about, which is our thoughts, our emotions, and our sensations in a particular way. When I use the word, so we can't deal with the the physical pain per se, but part of the cycle that I teach people about is the the energetic sensations that we feel inside of us, things like the turning feeling in the pit of your stomach, the tightness in your chest, the lump in your throat. So these are the things that we have a little more direct access to and a little more direct control over. I don't like the word control because the, the, the paradox is that trying to control these things in the first place is what leads to problems, trying to stuff away our pain, trying to ignore the, the sensations, trying to, you know, avoid the thoughts kind of thing. But we can start tackling these things a little more head on. And when we can start recognizing that the emotions themselves, which are an intangible thing, it's hard to really describe what an emotion is, but the emotion themselves and the energetic sensations, the turning feeling, whatever, it's, this is your body's way of trying to process something. 
The problem is that throughout our lifetimes, because these things constantly come up in moments when we're in pain or in moments when we're not safe to feel or express ourselves, we come to associate these things as threats, as dangerous. So we spend our lifetimes learning to shut down our connection to what's going on. But when we can start recognizing that all this inner tension is your body's way of trying to heal something. And when you can learn not to be afraid of it and actually turn your attention directly to it, then you can allow your body to start going through a natural purging process that it's been trying to go through this whole time. And perhaps more importantly, you can start lessening, if not negating, a lot of the fear around what's going on inside of you. A lot of the fear around around the emotions, around the sensations, and even around the cycling negative thoughts of I'm not good enough or people don't believe me or I'm going to get judged or maybe I am crazy kind of thing. When we can settle into a sense of at least relative safety in our minds and in our bodies, that's a huge part of what I deal with with my clients is helping them understand that you are finally safe to feel and express all of the emotions that are moving through you to finally confront all of the negative thoughts and all of the discomfort and all that sort of thing, then you, you can, like I said, get rid of this fear. And this could be a huge element of physical healing as well, because what's going on is that throughout our lifetimes, as we develop these defense mechanisms, the emotional defense mechanisms, the body gets into this constant state of fight or flight is the sympathetic nervous system. And while we're stuck in that sympathetic nervous system, the brain, the mind, the subconscious can never get into the rest and digest mode of the parasympathetic nervous system. So these issues build up over years and the fear is fueling the fire. This is why, I mean, every, every doctor will admit that stress only makes everything worse whatever it is that you're dealing with, which is why, you know, a healthy, a positive mindset is actually important. If you're battling chronic illness, if you're battling cancer, if you're battling anything, the mind has to be able to enter that rest and digest mode. So sometimes we can't necessarily tackle the physical pain head on first, but we can start dealing a little bit with the emotions and with the fear and with the cycling negative thoughts. And as we learn to take control of that, allow the body to move into the rest and digest mode so that at the very least, we're not suffering to the same extent. The physical suffering, that will happen on its own. But I, emotionally speaking, suffering comes from resistance, from not allowing yourself to be with your emotions, to be with your personality, to be in your life and in the world the way that, that you should be. So as we release resistance to our inner experience, then we can feel a little safer. The brain can enter that healing mode and you can start moving in a more positive direction. But when everything is just piling on, and you're giving, being given more guilt and more shame and more doubt and more confusion based on how the doctors and the professionals and the friends and family are treating you, it's only going to exacerbate the problem. So we want to focus on the emotional healing as much as we can, because that's something that we have more direct access to. And as we do that, the body can start moving in a better direction as well. You know, it's, it's very interesting. You're, you're exactly on um, I have had diabetes for 
20 years, type two. And recently I started going to a new practitioner and she's telling me, well, you don't really have diabetes, you have insulin resistance, different creature. And um, I am now, I'm working with these, you know, the things that they put on your arm that, that you can test your, your sugar levels and all of that with. And I have been noticing that carbs, which I've counted for many, many years, don't really have a lot to do with when my sugar goes up and down. When I get stressed, my sugars go through the roof. And it's really, I got a phone call from somebody the other day who's a friend and she's on my board of directors, but she drives me nuts. And the minute I saw that phone ring, my alarm for my sugar levels started ding, 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 ding. So you're absolutely right. It's it's all in the body and it's not in what I'm eating. It's in how I'm dealing with situations. So again, you, you talk about getting into that healing mode. How do you do that? Okay. Um, so unfortunately, there's no, sh there's no great short answer that I can give to this. It takes time. It takes practice. It takes, you know, as I mentioned, I would call myself an emotional fitness trainer. So the same way that like, and I'm, I'm going to try and give an answer, but I'm just explaining that like the question that you just asked me is kind of like walking up to a fitness, like a physical trainer and asking them, well, how do I get fit? I, you know, the, the shortest answer that they could give you is diet and ex proper diet and exercise. And in a sense, that's the only short answer that I could give you also. But as I mentioned, it's firstly about recognizing that so much of the discomfort that's moving through us, or all, really all of it, is not, not the physical pain, but the emotional discomfort, is your body's way of trying to purge and process things. And we need to start recognizing that. And we need to take control of a certain cycle. Again, I don't love the word control, but just the best word for now. We need to learn to navigate a particular subconscious cycle that's constantly happening inside of us where there are three main elements, three elements overall, really, of your experience of reality. There's your thoughts, your emotions, and your sensations. There's nothing that you can truly experience in this life that doesn't actually fall into one of those categories. Um, so as you're hearing me talk right now, you're getting the sensations of the sound, you know, the sound waves hitting your ears. There's also things like the energetic sensations that I was talking about, turning feeling in the pit of your stomach, tightness in your chest. There's also the sensations of the actual physical pain you're in. There's the sensations of the temperature of the air on, on your skin and all that sort of stuff. Then as these sound waves are hitting your ears and it's getting translated into actual meaning in your head, those are thoughts and your reaction to it is all thoughts. And then there's the emotions, which are this this intangible thing that you can't really point to or put your finger on as much as the scientific community would love to like say, okay, well, dopamine is associated with happiness. Great. Your brain might create dopamine when you're feeling joy, but dopamine is not happiness. You can't point to where are you feeling happiness. Emotions are, I like to describe it as it's, it's, a, it's funny. We talk about the five major senses. I believe very wholly that we actually have six senses, at least the sixth sense being emotions, something that we sense and we feel every moment of every day. It's intangible. It's like you can't describe 
you can't really describe what a strawberry tastes like, but you know what a strawberry tastes like. And you can't describe really what joy feels like or what love feels like or what shame feels like, but you know what it feels like. So between these things, there's this constant cycle going on that we have never learned to notice and learn to navigate properly such that right now we're in a constant downward spiral with it. So when something comes and triggers us from the outside, maybe it's someone being rude to us or maybe it's something that reminds us of the past or a past trauma or whatever's going on, this thing will come in. Maybe it impacts our thoughts first, but maybe it creates that turning feeling in the pit of your stomach. That's just a very quick reaction that your body has. And that turning feeling in the pit of your stomach, we don't know where it's coming from or how to deal with it. And the only way that we know how to try and solve it is to analyze it, to logic it away or to try and solve the problem outside. So we move from that sensation that's going on to our thoughts. We try and analyze it from there. And then those thoughts send this, con send this message to your subconscious mind that you're in danger, which creates fear. And that fear creates more of that stress response, that turning feeling and that tightness in your chest. And that turning feeling creates more thoughts and the thoughts create more emotions and the emotions create more sensations and around and around and around and around we go because we've never identified that this is happening. We don't realize that we've been running from all of our experiences. We've been running from the thoughts. We've been running from the emotions. We've been running from the sensations because throughout our past, we've associated these things as dangerous. And because we are constantly running from them, it perpetuates that negative spiral. But when we can learn to recognize this cycle, when we can learn to separate the thoughts from the emotions, from the sensations, recognizing that they are three separate things. They are connected, they manipulate each other, but they are separate experiences. So when we can learn how to deal with each one of those elements of our experience individually, then we can stop that negative cycle and we can start nudging our body towards the positive purging process that it's been trying to go through. So let me just give a quick example. I don't know how much time we have left anyway. Yeah, um, we've got about 10 more minutes. So. Okay. So in terms of the, these three elements of our experience, let me talk just super quickly about anxiety. Because firstly, a lot of us experiencing chronic illness, and there's a lot of anxiety that comes along with it. And we use this word rather generically, not recognizing that anxiety is actually three separate things. Firstly, it's the constant cycling thoughts in your mind of all of the ways that things can go wrong, of all of the ways that things are already going wrong, of all of the ways that you have to protect yourself in the world, all of the, the constant calculation of every possibility and usually negative possibilities. So it's those cycling thoughts. Next up, it's this feeling of fear or dread, this intangible thing, just this constant sense of a threat. You know, that tiger that's constantly chasing you in the jungle. And then there's the sensations. And some people, everyone experiences anxiety a little differently. For me, it was always that intense turning in the feeling in the pit of my, that, that turning feeling in the pit of my stomach as well as sometimes in the chest. But we use this word anxiety. And no one ever stops to recognize what these three elements of it are. And because we use this word anxiety to describe this jumbled mess of those three experiences, they constantly fuel each other. Mm -hmm. But as I was saying, so we can deal with, firstly, the, the, the sort of progression that I help people with when, when we are working on this and just some of the things that we do. One of the first things that we're going to do is learn how to relax the body. 
things like the tension that you're holding in your jaw or the tension that you're holding in your shoulders or the way that you're breathing, the way that you're standing, all these sort of things. When you're holding all that tension, that's your body's way of pushing something away and it's sending this constant message to your subconscious mind that you're in danger. So first we need to learn how to relax the body as much as we can when we're in pain, of course, but how to relax the body, how to release all that tension. Next, we need to learn how to deal with the cycling negative thoughts, recognizing that the thoughts are actually trying to protect you. They're like a loving pit bull that's just a little too protective of you. It's your pet pit bull, but it's barking at everyone that comes in the door. And so the thoughts are trying to protect you and we can learn how to start recognizing the negative cycles and learn appropriate methods of what to do once you start catching yourself in these negative cycles. And you do need to become aware of them first because you can't change something that you're not actively aware of. So we become aware of these cycles. We learn how to deal with the cycling negative thoughts. Then we learn how to connect a little bit more with our emotions and to recognize that being in a particular emotion in a particular time is appropriate. It can be helpful. You can allow yourself to sit in it and recognizing that it will always change. Emotions are always fluid. So one of the big problems is that sometimes when we're feeling sad or feeling low or feeling depressed, it, like I said, it, it cycles up into the thoughts and we start thinking a lot more negatively and thinking we're never going to get out of this pain. Then a few days later, maybe we're feeling good and we're feeling a little bit positive. But then a few days later, now we're feeling negative again. We're constantly cycling in those thoughts and we don't, we, we, we've never stopped to realize that usually nothing in your life has actually changed from the moment that you are feeling good to the moment that you are feeling down, not on the grand scheme of things. Mm -hmm. So we need to recognize the ways that those emotions are manipulating our thoughts. We need to learn to feel those emotions without fear around what those things mean. The fact that you're feeling down in a given moment doesn't mean as much as you think it means in the grand picture of things. And then we can turn our attention directly to those energetic sensations inside of us. So with anxiety in particular, one of the things that like, I remember the moment, because I dealt with anxiety for most of my life, but I remember like the moment that after doing a whole lot of other healing work and learning a whole bunch of things that I finally more or less conquered anxiety for good, again, more or less being the key terms there. But when I was able to, I, I was no longer afraid of my thoughts. I had dealt with all of that, or at least I knew that they were illusions and that I was fooling myself. I had dealt with the emotions in the sense that I was no longer afraid of feeling down for a while, knowing it's going to pass and I'm okay and I'm allowing my body to go through it. And then when I was able to finally turn my attention directly to that turning feeling in the pit of my stomach, to really focus on it head on, you know, like looking at it so intently as if I, I, w I needed to describe it to a poet so that he could, you know, paint or describe it to an artist so that they could paint it kind of thing, to really turn my attention directly to that turning feeling in the pit of my stomach. It was like, well, guess what? That's all it is. It's a turning feeling in the pit of my stomach. It's uncomfortable. It can be painful, but it's not something that I need to start freaking out over. And that is how I started taking control of this inner spiral. So I was able to experience my negative thoughts without them fueling more emotions and more sensations. And I was able to experience the emotions without that fueling more negative thinking and without it convincing my subconscious mind that I'm in danger and therefore creating that stress response. And I was able to actively feel into that turning feeling in the pit of my stomach being like, oh, 
it's a stomach ache. And when I have a stomach ache, I don't start freaking out that everything is going to go wrong in my life. I'm able to experience that. And then, like I said, each of those experiences is your body's way of trying to process something. And when I stopped running from each of those experiences, my body was able to start going through a purging process. And I was able to finally settle into my experiences and to allow my body to start getting back into that rest and digest mode and to stop resisting my life so much. You know, I think even when we have experiences that we see as negative, when you go through some of what you're talking about, you can actually start to see some of it as being a blessing and turn that whole negative into a positive. And, and I know for myself, it's like, I'll get really angry or really sad about what's happened to me. And then I'll go, you know, if this hadn't happened to me, I would not be out there able to help other people. I wouldn't be understanding what's going on. I wouldn't be able to share with other people. And the minute I start to think along those lines, the whole negative mindset and all the little voices in my head and all of that go away. And I'm able to see the, the good in, in things that have happened. And, and I don't want to go out and smash the guy's car. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? the, way, yeah. the way that I phrase it for myself um, is it may not be true that everything happens for a reason. For those of you that do believe everything happens for a reason, that's cool too. But for this, it may not be true that everything happens for a reason. But if you choose to learn and grow from the bad things, then they will have happened for a reason. Mm -hmm. You create the reason by actively taking that challenge and turning it into a learning, a growing experience, or turning it into that mission that you were talking about where, look, if I, if I hadn't experienced this, then I wouldn't be doing this work, which means that all of those other people who are suffering, who you're having the ability to help, wouldn't get that. I think that's Absolutely. a beautiful perspective. Well, it's the only way I can get through is to see, is to look at the positive and things and not focus on the negative because that doesn't do any good. And so I try to see the best in everything and it's hard sometimes, but I totally get what you're saying and think that's a wonderful way to look at it. And that's the next question that I have and we're almost out of time. So Thank you so much for all of this wonderful information today. And can you tell us quickly, is there something that you're doing right now that my listeners can take advantage of? Can they, if they feel like they really were synergetic with you and really want you to work with them, how do, how do they get in touch with you? How do you, how are you able to help someone? Can you yeah. do long distance? Oh yeah, absolutely. All of all of my work is done long distance. Um, it's done online. I've I've got a course that I do coaching. We've got group calls all the time, and I'm I'm always there for my clients. Um, but they don't have to be in the city. And I, I'll skip the long stories. I <laughs> know we only have a minute left. Um, okay, so couple of the best ways. Um, number one, I've got a book out called Feelings First Shadow Work. 
available in Kindle, paperback, audiobook, anything. So feelings first, shadow work. People can search that up. I also have a free webinar that will help people that where, where I dive a little more deeply into my perspectives and my approach in terms of what a mental health diagnosis really means and, and how to really start overcoming these things. They can find that at my website, benjisharercoaching.com. I'm sure that on the podcast, they'll see my name spelt somewhere. So B-E-N-J-Y, yes. but benjisharercoaching.com slash replay. And anyone who's interested in working with me, I think should watch that first because you'll get an even better idea of who I am, of what my perspectives and my approach are. And if that resonates with you, then at the end of it, like it'll give you the details of how to get in touch with me. And I'll be honored. That's that's fantastic. And all of your information will be on the show notes um, at the and on the podcast. And guys, you have been listening to an absolutely incredible show on Don't Wait Till Pigs Fly. I am so grateful that. I was able to speak with you, Benji. Thank you so much for coming on. We weren't real sure in the beginning whether it was going to work or not. And I think it was absolutely perfect. So thank you. And now, y'all, if you haven't already, please give us a quick review and rating on iTunes. And don't forget, you can follow us on Facebook and Twitter, too. To wrap things up, often after a podcast, people want to know a little bit about some of the things that we're doing here at Invisible Warriors. And if you'd like to hop on a Zoom, my contact information will be in the show notes as well. And thank you again for tuning in and listening to today's conversation. You'll be able to find out if you head over to the website that we're doing a concert in June and we're looking for people to come and be a part of the fun and the knowledge and all of the information out there. You can do it either through live streaming or in person. We're looking for sponsors. We're looking for vendors. It's really a great way to support these women with the invisible disabilities to get the knowledge out there, to help them learn some of the things that we've been talking about today and so much more, how to advocate for themselves in the doctor's offices and how to talk to family and friends so that they understand it. All of that is going to be addressed when we're sitting there listening to wonderful music on June 3rd. So mark your calendars. And if you can be a part of the concert, that would be fantastic. Until then, guys, take care, get out there, be productive, and I'll see you next week. Take care, y'all. Bye-bye. That's it for today, everyone. Thanks so much for listening. Today's podcast has been brought to you by the Invisible Warriors Club, a program of Invisible Warriors. They see how hard life is for these women and hate that the world doesn't seem to understand that these diseases slash disabilities are serious, life-changing challenges which bring about poor medical treatment, high and unrealistic medical bills, lack of ability to sustain working conditions and loss of family cohesiveness. Through advocacy and programs, this organization extends a nurturing hand, fostering both awareness in the community and individual growth amidst adversities. Join them by heading over to the Invisible Warriors website for more information on how to join the club.